So I was doing my nine to five job and I, I was too tired to really go out and spend time with my friends. And also I was studying for my exams. So that took up quite a bit of time as well. But the worst thing was I, I couldn't relate to my friends anymore and they couldn't relate to me. We had totally different problems. Like I'd be like, oh, my manager or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, this teacher. That was the most difficult thing. I sort of lost quite a lot of friendship through that period. And luckily now I've reconnected with some of my old school friends and much more on the same level now, which is nice. Are you searching for your ideal career, fed up of your daily grind, or simply want to hear some inspiring stories? Then you've come to the right place, because it's time to do a job you love. It's time to get work savvy. Welcome to another episode of the Get Work Savvy podcast, the show that aims to provide you with tips, tricks and ideas to help you find or create a way to get paid for your passion. And this week is going to be one of those weeks where we feature a guest to find out what it is exactly that they do, a little bit more about their journey and how they got to doing whatever it is that they love doing. And throughout the interview, we're going to be picking up tips, tricks and advice to help you on your journey. In this week's episode, we feature Gareth, who knew what he wanted to do from an early age and having taken the decision to follow what it is that he wanted to do, has been able to make a real success of it. And I'm going to let Gareth explain exactly what it is that he does. But something that I'd like to highlight about his journey and his story that he shares was the importance of knowing his own path and not necessarily following the crowd. And I think that's an absolute fine example for anyone who's at that position. They're a bit of a crossroads and they're not really sure about what it is that they want to do. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and to share this episode with anyone that you think it would provide value to. And without any further delay, let's jump into this week's episode. So hi to Gareth and welcome to the Get Work Savvy podcast. How are you doing today? Hi Liam, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good, thank you. How are you doing? Excellent, not too bad. Um, had a bit of a heat wave here and we just had a conversation about, I oh, just had some relief with some light showers, so that's always uh, always nice. Yeah, looking out the window and the, uh, at the rain at the moment, which is pretty lovely. <laughs> I never say that, but today I am. <laughs> yeah, we got that on uh, record now, so you can't be complaining about the rain in the future. <laughs> but for the listener, could you just explain to them what it is that you do? I am a bookkeeper. So I'm a, I'm a qualified accountant. I run a, a bookkeeping business. It's a totally remote business working with mainly uh, zero accounting software. Incredible. Now, I know for a lot of people, um, when you mention the word accounting or, or, or having to kind of collate all their finances, that can be intimidating. So <laughs> a question I do like to ask my guests is, did you always want to go into that? Oh, uh, good question. I, to be fair, I sort of did. I, I always knew I wanted to go into business. And when I was, I think I was about 16, I was just about to do my GCSEs. And I, there was like this Christmas party. It was around Christmas time. And we, we were in this posh village, this really fancy house. And they had loads of very wealthy guests, basically. And I went around and I spoke to all of these people. I was just like, so what do you do? And they were like, oh, well, I'm an accountant. But I'm the managing director of so-and-so. What do you do? Oh, I'm a management accountant, but I'm the managing director of so-and-so. And I was just like, wow, okay, I'll be an accountant now. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were first enticed by some of these successful people that you were seeing. Another question I like to ask is like growing up, what 
when you were at school <clears throat> before you'd met these, these successful people and got a snapshot of what they do, what was your aspiration? What did you want to do as, as a child? Yeah, I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to be an entrepreneur all the way. Honestly, never anything else. In the summer holidays, I used to be making smoothies with my friends and selling them at the end of the road. I made planters, I made bird tables and sold them. The, the bird tables were brilliant, to be fair. I was probably 13 or 14 and I would make two bird tables in a day and sell them for 40 quid each, 80 quid a day at like 13. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> it it works the floor of my attempt at uh, washing cars. So uh, yeah, good to hear that you, you've kept that, um, that business aspiration alive. And I suppose from, from then having those conversations with those successful people that give you the idea of, of looking into accountancy and bookkeeping with a bit more of an aspiration to, to figure out if that would be for you. Yeah, basically, I, uh, I sort of went into school spoke to my business teacher, Darren De Bruyne, if uh, he listens to this, um, shout out to you. And uh, <laughs> basically he said there's different ways, explain the different ways you can become a qualified accountant. I went away, found an apprenticeship. I was going to do my A-levels, but I actually failed English, so I didn't get into the school I wanted to. So I was just like, okay, well, I'll get an apprenticeship then. And you know what? I'm so glad I did because it's saved me so many years in my career. It's got me so much further ahead than my friends that went and did A-levels and then went to university as well. Because I started AAT, which takes three years to do. And then if you want to go full chartered, then it's another four years. So within three years, I'd become an AAT qualified accountant. Whereas my friends, they were just in their first year of university because they'd done two years of A-levels and then the first year at uni. Mm. Um, and, and also I have three years worth of work experience. So my friends, I'm 21 now. My friends are sort of leaving university and uh, they're sort of looking at the worst job market that there's been for 20 years. Um, well, I, I say 20 years, like I know what I'm talking about to be fair. I've got no idea, but I know it's a terrible job market. <laughs> but yeah, I feel a bit sorry for them, really. I think that it's such a, a good choice what you made there. If you knew that that's what you wanted to do, I think that that is, that is the perfect thing to do is trying to go and, and find work, whether that be for an apprenticeship where you get that, that learning and that knowledge as well to give you that insight and to start climbing that ladder of, of what it is that you want to do. I know that for myself, and I've shared this before in the podcast, I, I was a bit lost. I didn't really know what I wanted to do or yeah. I knew what kind of thing I wanted to do, but I didn't know any other route in other than going through that process. And I came out of my qualifications, getting a 2-1 at university, thinking that, you know, everything was about to open up for me for what I wanted to do. But actually, I came out of the banking crisis, so very similar. <laughs> to oh, no. And, and it is so tricky and speaking to a lot of my uh, fellow graduates and friends at the same period of their lives, not very many of them went into what they thought they were going into. So I think it was a very sensible decision what you took there and fantastic to hear it's working out for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I decided, well, I, I may not want to do this long term, but if I go hard enough, then I'll make a bit of a success of it. And then it should give me options to sort of going to something else down the line if it doesn't work out I thought you know I'm young enough fail big fail fast absolutely fantastic I think that again wonderful advice there for, for anyone who's who's thinking that you know I'm pretty keen on it now but I'm not sure if it's my forever job I think that's a, a really good point to make that 
you know, I've changed my career a couple of times with the, where I was going. And I think that's a realistic avenue for everyone now. I think that it used to be if you started out down a path that you would stay on that path until you retired. Yeah. I think learning all, all of the, the skill set that you learn, you can always use the, the skills knowledge to transfer into another path if, if that's something that you want to do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, new jobs are being created all the time. Like in 10 years, we could be doing something totally unheard of. Like you're you're a podcaster, you know, 20 years ago, who the hell <laughs> heard of a podcaster? Okay, you're not, that's not your full-time job, but lots of people have it as a full-time job. And it's just, you know, there's no point staying in the same job your whole life, particularly if you don't enjoy it. Yeah. That is my version of the biggest tragedy of life it, it makes me really sad to see people just kicking along not happy but not in dire straits you know just i mean if that's good for them then then fine but i think a lot of people do that when it's not good for them they're just scared to make a change mm. and i think that it's having that purpose isn't it yeah we have to do so much work throughout our lives i forget the retirement age but i know it's many years off for, for most of us so, <laughs> so why not wake up being being excited about what you're going to do and and actually um and enjoy it as well one 100%. of my colleagues said to me at one point you know if we can get people doing what they want to do then they're going to be so much more productive they're going to be so much more happy and effectively the world will be a better place won't it yeah definitely so am I right in saying you, you run your own business then? So you started off on your journey through that apprenticeship, built up your skills, knowledge, got your qualifications, and then you've branched off to do your own thing. Is that right? Yeah, I, I spent about four years in basically practice working for uh, other accountancy firms. And about this time last year, I decided, hey, look, I want to go traveling, basically. I was commuting about an hour and a half each way to my job. I was like, this is not fun. I need to find a job closer to home. And then I thought, well, you know, I want to work remotely so I can go traveling. The dream was to uh, build a converted camper van to a little tiny home and uh, travel across Europe while sort of doing my bookkeeping. And this was a way I could sort of fulfill that dream really. So in terms of my business, so I started that about a year ago. I got my first client really quickly um, and I was so pleased about that. It was brilliant. And they grew massively within just a few months. I was working for them four or five days a week, pretty much. And uh, in February, March time, I said to them, hey, look, you know, because I was basically ending up working in their offices. So on site, it was becoming less and less remote. My camper van's getting closer to being finished. And I was like, well, I've got to go traveling soon at some point. This is not going to work long term. So I said to them, hey, I'm going to go traveling in June. We'll find you a new accountant. I'll train them up. And uh, yeah, so coronavirus hit. I'd trained up their new bookkeeper and basically did myself out of a job. <laughs> and to top it off, <laughs> my, uh, my camper van needs a new engine uh, and a gearbox and a clutch so uh i think that's a no-go as well <laughs> oh no it sounded like a good plan at least <laughs> <laughs> yeah the best laid plans and everything but oh well such is life i suppose you got to look at it like you know you could have been 
if it hadn't have worked out that way and perhaps Corona delayed a little bit and you just set off, you could have been in your camper van somewhere. So you got to think of the silver lining on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's, um, well, I, to be fair, I think the camper van's going to have to be, um, I think I'm going to have to knock that on the head for now. Delay. Um, yeah, because it's not worth, the van's too old to sort of worth it and a new engine and everything. So right. I'm just sort of going to try and, uh, I think I'm going to turn it into a little uh, Airbnb, park it up in the little paddock at the end of our garden and uh, turn it into an Airbnb. So if anyone's interested in uh, renting a, a non-mobile camper van <laughs> <laughs> in, in a while because it's still not ready, but you know. That, that's fantastic. And you've got that, um, that business mentality still <laughs> turn that into another opportunity to, to help you kind of find another avenue of income. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. It owes me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've clearly put a lot of hard work into that. And, um, and yeah, good, good idea to convert that into, into an Airbnb or something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, you spoke there about having a lot of that, that freedom. And I think that, you know, the world has changed and, and everybody has had at least a taste and a flavor or most people, should I say, have, have had a taste and a flavour of working at home. And, and I think that commute is something that, that kind of a lot of people have realised is more of a <laughs> more of a painful experience than anything <laughs> else if they weren't already aware. Yeah. And you mentioned how, you know, you had the aspirations of reducing that and perhaps being a bit more of a digital nomad where you can travel around. Yeah. With accountancy, that that is quite a legitimate thing to aspire to. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So in the last, even like five years since I started working in, in accountancy, you know, I trained up on like desktop software where it had to be downloaded onto a computer and you, you sent backups to each other, um, which was a bit of a nightmare. And um, but new accounting software, which was in its infancy when I started, is now sort of become the main thing. So you've got like Zero and QuickBooks, which are just so much better than what used to be particularly zero and you know you've got receipt processing apps which uh, sort of read the receipts and then so it means that people don't pay for people like me to just type out receipts taking away the the manual sort of dropping a box off at the accountant every month you know you just mm. sort of arrange for someone to to take a picture of each one you know as and when they come through and then it, the bookkeeping just gets done in the cloud and it's just so fantastic, like the leaps and bounds that the accountancy industry has taken in the last few years to sort of enable people to become digital nomad accountants, really. It's always impressive to see how technology changes the, the, the landscape for work. And, and something that you touched on earlier was that kind of idea of we don't know what jobs will look like in the future. So certainly I think it's a fantastic idea you embracing that that change and um, being at the forefront of, of using such technology to, to help you do what you do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I know that you've had the challenges of the, the camper van and <laughs> potentially being tied in, but what was the hardest thing? Was it perhaps seeing your friends go off to university and and you following a different path? Or what has been the, the biggest challenge for your journey so far? Yeah, the, the hardest thing, it wasn't university so much, it was sick form. Mm. So I was doing my nine to five job and I, I was too tired to really go out and spend time with my friends and also I was studying for my exams so that took up quite a bit of time as well 
but the worst thing was I, I couldn't relate to my friends anymore and they couldn't relate to me. We had totally different problems. Like I'd be like, oh, my manager or whatever. Mm. And they'd be like, oh, this teacher or, you know, they'd sort of still go on about gossipy stuff, which I was just like, oh, just forget about it. That was the most difficult thing. I sort of lost quite a lot of friendship through that period. And luckily now I've reconnected with some of my old school friends and much more on the same level now which is nice mm. yeah i suppose you you had to grow up a lot faster yeah definitely it's it it a tricky one so so when you went into your apprenticeship yeah how did that work you went into a workplace and then you had a tutor come and visit you or did you have one day at college or or how did how did that whole apprenticeship work for you yeah okay so basically it's it's a full-time job um but then you have a day off a week for, for college. Um, and it's basically um, you do the same thing as someone who has a full-time job. You just get the learning on the side as well, basically. Fantastic. I mean, I work for a company who runs apprenticeships, so I do know a little bit about that. But I know growing up, and I spoke to when I spoke to Gareth on the podcast, who's a landscape designer, won various awards at like Chelsea Flower Show and things like that. We spoke a bit about how apprenticeships when I was growing up were always pitched at the trades like a plumber, a builder. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's it's really fascinating for me yeah. to hear that accountancy had some actual avenues to to go down. And and how did you find out about that? I mean, I know you had that kind of insight from those those people that you um you thought, oh, cool, I'd, I'd love to follow their path. But did you go to the careers office, or how did you find your opportunity? Do you know, I don't really remember if I'm honest. I think I googled how to get into accountancy and then I just sort of heard about these apprenticeship things and the only apprenticeships I'd known it was sort of uh, like you were saying sort of like plumbers brickies you know stuff mm. like that and I'd, I'd not really heard of it but I sort of very quickly came around and was just like yeah that's actually a good good plan to be fair I think it's a really in fact I think it's the best route into accountancy if I'm honest mm. you know where I worked for my first job I'd been there for a year probably and there was a girl that came in she'd done a finance degree and she came in and I had to teach her basic double entry bookkeeping wow and I was like <laughs> what did you do <laughs> but to be fair I mean she picked it up really quickly the the other skills you get from university are the main reason that I can see to go to university not to get industry skills and knowledge because you can pick it up in a quarter of the time in a workplace mm -hmm. and you retain it better as well. You know, if you find out a, a new rule that can help one of your clients, then it's going to stick much better than just reading it in a textbook. Yeah. Having that practical application and, and actually being in the thick of it. I'm certainly a learner by doing and, uh, and I can appreciate how that. Yeah, me too. Help you out as well. Having looked back on your journey and your time and, and knowing where you are now, would you do anything differently? Ooh. Good question. You know, I don't think I would. Yeah, I I don't think I'd do anything majorly different. I think I'd buckle down a bit more at work and, and work a bit harder. But apart from that, I think I would have got the jobs that I had. I've taken some amazingly valuable lessons from them. And particularly sort of my re most recent sort of client that I was talking about earlier, I basically was 
the finance manager in their firm. And I'd gone from being an, a back office accounts computer, basically, which is one of the reasons why I didn't like it as well. Mm. I'm a very talkative guy. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, you know, I just, I like talking to clients and sort of actually solving problems with people. And I love being in the thick of getting, of helping them get business decisions. You know, can we afford new staff? That's a, a great question that I enjoy, stuff like that. And I learned so much working for those people that I have done most recently. And I think that is just the most amazing experience that I, that I could have asked for really at this point in my career. Fantastic. So it's a bit of a trick question or well, not a trick question, but I always ask this question and, and wonder what people will say. And perhaps sometimes it's like taking opportunity a bit sooner, but in the rounds, most people do say, you know, they're happy with where they've got to and, and the decisions they've taken. So, um, <laughs> so sorry for putting that one you on Gareth, but, um, <laughs> But I think I think that's really no, no, that's valuable for for the listener to kind of see that it doesn't matter what choices you make along the way; it will all all kind of work itself out in the end. And it's about um, making the best of the opportunities that you've got. So fantastic! Yeah, a hundred percent. Something something I've been guilty of in the past, and even quite recently, to be fair, is taking a long time to come to a decision. You know, longer than it it should have taken. But then I think. We should try to make decisions a bit quicker and live with them and, and make sure we make them a success. But mm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I'm, I'm working on myself. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, me too. <laughs> I, I think procrastination um, is, is quite a, I, I don't use procrastination in my mind. I use the research kind of excuse. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just making sure I'm doing my due diligence here or researching, researching, researching and a bit of perfectionism. Yeah mixed in with that I'm, I'm trying to get over <laughs> doing that so much so yeah <laughs> definitely uh, try and avoid that one listener if uh, <laughs> if you can do <laughs> that, that's a good point to be fair because recently sort of top off my work and travel woes I broke up with my girlfriend um, <laughs> and basically I spent three or four weeks just uh, I felt really low you know I've I've never had I've been blessed. I've never had any issues with sort of mental health or anything like that. Mm. And I, I wasn't depressed or anything, but I just felt low. And I, you know, I, I'd sit down at my desk and try and do some work and I'd just sort of concentrate for about two minutes and then be like, oh, I'm not sure on that. And I'll pick up my phone. I'd spend probably five hours of the working day on my phone, which is probably not a great thing to put out there on a podcast, but it was a bit of a bad time. And phones are certainly my enemy my personal enemy it's just so mm. distracting so distracting thank you for sharing that and i think a lot of people relate to that especially if they're not enjoying what they're doing i think that it's, it's mm. so easy it's, it's like a little window of escapism isn't it you can just flip your phone on yeah. and suddenly be in a, a youtube deep dive of going down the rabbit hole yeah it takes a second to pull it out and check it but then you know, it takes a lot of willpower to put it away. Yes. You've only got a finite amount of willpower. Mm. You know, you pull it out five or 10 times and, you know, that's a lot of willpower gone and a lot of time gone as well. Mm. And, you know, you're training your brain to have that, that, uh, that gratification of, you know, notifications and, and those kinds oh, of things. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's something that I'm actively doing is putting my phone in a drawer. <laughs> so it's not, yeah. so it's well, another barrier. Yeah. Something I found that helps in the past is I, I turn my phone off when I go to sleep and I say to myself, I'm not going to turn it on until 11 a.m. Mm. 
That's great. You know, even if I miss out on two hours worth of sort of work time, you know, that could just be a meeting, you know, nothing's going to, the world's not going to burn in two hours of, of work time. But I, I get so productive when I do that. Mm. And I go through phases of doing it and not doing it. And uh, at the moment, I, sh- I need to sort of pull that trick out again, actually. Mm. But great, great advice and great tip for, for anyone who's kind of struggling with that and, and has noticed that actually they've been less and less productive because they're a little bit more distracted. So, yeah, fun, fantastic tip on that one, Gareth. Thank you for sharing that. That's all right. In regards to motivation, then I wonder, yeah. are there any like inspiring characters or any groups of, of people worth following? If if you are interested in perhaps that entrepreneurship or getting into accountancy, anyone that you found worthwhile following and being somebody to look up? Yeah, good question. I find Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, to be brilliant. If you've not heard of him, he's got a, a no nonsense approach. His language is a bit colourful, so if you don't like that sort of thing, probably steer clear. But he is, you know, if you need a sort of a quick bit of motivation, go listen to a Gary V video and then go and take some action. The other person I really like is um, Lewis Howes. Now, he is sort of like the opposite to Gary V. He's very sort of stable, calm. Uh, I listen to his podcast, The School of Greatness, and he has some amazing hosts on. And he asks such deep questions about business making money family life you know nothing's off the table with him i I think the conversations that he gets are just phenomenal bring bring me enormous value Mm, great recommendations of certainly followed the work of gary v and i I like one thing he says about you know stop listening to me and go do something (laughs) like he actually actually encourages people to you know it's not all about that kind of just consuming Mm. the the motivational talk is actually going and taking action and i've heard of lewis house but i've not actually listened to his podcast it's certainly something that i'm going to do in the next day or so so thank you for that recommendation yeah, and for the listener i'm going to drop some some links in in the show notes just for you to have easy access to them if you are interested in checking out either of those profiles something that i i do quite often is i think of some motivational quotes like one that my granddad always tells me is you get out what you put in so I wonder if there's any kind of motivational quotes or any kind of routines that help you when you're perhaps in those more difficult and tougher moments. I, I don't really have a go-to motivational quote so much, but one, I've, I've got a little mm-hmm. whiteboard in my room and I sort of write thoughts down and sort of some figures and stuff. But one of the things I've got written on there at the moment, which I found quite helpful, is the anticipation of pain is worse than the pain itself. And I think that one has got quite an important value if I'm putting off, for example, making a sales call and I'm just worried about getting a no. It's sort of a meaningless thing to worry about. All I do is say no and I move on with my life. But mm. the anticipation of that pain is way worse than actually getting the no. I love that. I think that's that's really, really good because, yeah, you, you spend all that time worrying about oh, what they're going to say. Or how's that going to turn out? What if they ask this question? What if I don't give the right answer? You know, all those thoughts can flood yeah. through your head, but it's likely to happen either way, yeah. <laughs> whether you do it today or tomorrow. So so actually taking that action and, and getting through it and you know the answer then. And then there's no no kind of filling your head up with all those anxieties and, and thoughts. So, yeah, no, I do love that quote. Thank you yeah, for sharing right. that. Oh, another one I've just thought of, actually, is um, will this matter in a year? You know, I think that's a really good way to sort of put your problems into perspective. Like, why was I worried about that? It doesn't matter. 
looking back at it from a year from now. Again, really powerful in my role. I'm quite, I have quite a creative element in regards to creating videos or podcasts and, and putting resources together for people for e-learning. Um, so I apologize if you've been for any of that where you happen to click next, uh, <laughs> me doing that kind of thing. But I think that if you're in that creative role, or even if, if you're not, I know that I look back and look at the work that I did a year ago. I look at the the level of my editing a year ago, <laughs> like what I've, I've written in a report a couple of years ago. And I always kind of like, oh, I can't believe I wrote that or that doesn't make sense anymore or you found a better way of doing something. So I think that it's, again, for me, taking action and, and kind of realising that you're going to get better is kind of yeah. what I take from that. But And um, if, if you don't look back and go, what a stupid thing that was, something's gone wrong because that means you've got better. If you look back and go, oh, that was shocking. You know, it means that your standard of work has just gone up by so much. And I forget the exact phrase you used earlier, but it's about failing fast. And I think it might have been failing fast. Actually. Yeah, fail big, fail fast. That's the one. If you don't take a chance, you'll never know. And and if you don't do something, you can never learn from it to to improve for next time. So yeah, like I love that we've we've kind of circled back onto that quote that you or that insight that you gave us to start with. Just would like to to give you the opportunity to give the listeners one final thought if if you could give them one piece of advice to follow what would it be good question i think whatever age you are you shouldn't feel that you're behind or your friends are getting married you you shouldn't feel like you should be getting married if you're not with the right person all these people are starting businesses don't feel like you need to start a business you're on your own journey your own timeline and if you just want to go spend two years going out and seeing the world do it that will bring you so much value if you're an entrepreneur if you're sort of entrepreneurial minded and you go out traveling you're probably going to have some great ideas so i don't think you should think it is wasted time but you should be going out there and just doing stuff you know experimenting finding new jobs just just trying stuff i think fantastic point to end on and absolutely agree with that i think everything presents opportunities going with your gut not feeling that pressure of anyone else i think that's a really important point made there as well gareth so thank you very much for giving us the, the wonderful insights to what you do and and helping us with some things to think about today if people are interested in contacting you for your financial services or just to, to have a chat and uh, and see what you're up to would you mind just sharing where the best place to find you is yeah of course so I'm on Instagram, gareth.bown. I'm on LinkedIn, there's just Gareth Bown. And my website is uh, garethlawrence.co.uk because that's the name of the bookkeeping firm. I'll be sure to drop links into the show notes if anyone is interested in picking up with Gareth. And uh, thank you once again. And uh, I hope that the camper van restoration into the B&B <laughs> B &B works out well for you and that you get your opportunity to travel in the not too distance so I'm um, wishing you all the success in the world Gareth and thank you for being on today's show brilliant thank you so much for your time Liam I appreciate it so another fascinating interview and thanks once again to Gareth for taking the time to share his story and really being honest about your journey so far and sharing some things that perhaps other people might go through one thing that really hit home to me was the fact that Gareth had decided to go and get an apprenticeship and go and follow his path to doing what it is he wanted to do, which I think is awesome and something that I advocate. But it was that moment where he revealed how it was the friendships that he kind of lost 
and because he's in a different situation, how it just changed everything for him. And I think that's something that people underestimate. I know growing up when I got to that point of life where I was making my decisions and friends were going off to college or university, I followed the crowd for a little bit when I went to chose my sixth form college. And then when it comes to people going off to university, I took a different path and went into employment. And my story is out on the podcast and I'll leave a link in the show notes if you're interested in that one. But everyone chooses what they want to do and then you get all found out and have different experiences based on what your choices are. For some people, that might be that you're going into the world of work and you're learning your trade and you've got more real problems, shall I say? compared to if you go to university or if you continue down in the education because because that mindset hasn't necessarily switched over. But just like Gareth explained and Callum before him and other people who've had this experience, it is important to think about you getting the most out of your experience and not necessarily comparing yourself to others. And I think that is really, really important. I hope you've enjoyed this interview with Gareth. If you're new to the podcast, why not consider subscribing to be updated when new episodes arrive? Until next time, take care, and I hope this has helped you on your path to getting work savvy.